The Action Network Podcast, named Best Betting Podcast or Radio Show by the Fantasy Sports and Gaming Association, and the number one show for the invested sports fan. Without further ado! That's what the game's all about. All of a sudden you feel like you can't miss. Welcome to the Action Network Podcast. I'm Matt Moore. Thanks for joining us, Senior NBA Writer for the Action Network. Make sure to check out all the great shows on our network throughout the week and continuing through the NFL playoffs. You've got Chris Raybon and Stucky, my personal favorite, breaking down all the divisional weekend games. You've got the Fantasy Football Flex. You've got the PGA Tour stuff. College basketball is kicking back up. Lots of great shows. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Also, make sure to check out, check out The Favorites with Chad Millman and Simon Hunter. Absolutely love that show. On today's show, we will do the Wednesday NBA Buffet. We'll chow down on some tasty lines for Wednesday. We will talk about what futures we missed out on early that we wish we'd gotten in on. Hi, this is your producer, Matt Mitchell. Uh, just a reminder that James Harden was traded after this podcast was recorded. So there is a James Harden trade update section recorded afterwards. Uh, that is at right around the 46-minute mark. If that's what you came for, you could skip right there. Thanks for listening. I am vexed because the league has done something that makes me feel like I'm taking crazy pills. But we will start, gentlemen. I am joined by Brandon Anderson and Raheem Palmer the Secretaries of State in the Interior. You can figure out which one. For Degenerate Nation, Brandon, Raheem, how are you guys? I'm good. I mean, I can't complain. I mean, this NBA season, is, it's a little rough. The COVID protocols is just its just a lot. But besides that, you know, we got the NBA back. I can't complain. Yeah, I mean, as long as games are still happening, can't complain. We got another round of NFL playoffs this weekend. I'm looking forward to Bills-Ravens, especially Bucks saints Take the Ravens. You are obsessed with this Ravens pick. <laughs> I'm coming back at you if the Bills do this. But this is an NBA show, and we will start with what's on the marquee. COVID. COVID is a problem, it turns out. The global pandemic, it turns out, is still an issue uh, I looked up the numbers. I hadn't actually checked the numbers in a few, like, I don't know. I got distracted by uh, various political events, plus the season starting and everything else going on live in the holidays. Last Friday, there were 310,000 new cases in the United States. New cases, 310,000. Those numbers are unfathomable. Think about what I, if your reaction would have been if I told you in back in March, in, or in like March 1st, that there was going to be 310,000 new cases of this disease in a day in the United States. But in the NBA, six games have been postponed. They The Sixers were forced to play with only seven healthy players, eight available, but Mike Scott was out with an injury. It's a mess, fellas. This is an absolute mess. I have a huge story going up on Action Network today on Wednesday as we record this that breaks down why the NBA didn't go in the bubble, um, what the ramifications are, I will start right here. The NBA is not going to shut down and that's not because they have it totally under control and this is manageable, but because the money is too much. And once they start the season, I had several people tell me this, that basically once you start the the NBA season, it's very difficult to stop. Like you just, you cannot, the money's already been invested. You're leveraged at that point in spending the money to get the league up and running. So now you have additional lost income revenue on top of what you're already losing with fans being out and everything else and the 10 games, et cetera. Um, There's been a lot of talk that there should be a two-week shutdown just to kind of recalibrate everything. Raheem, let's start with you. Do you feel like that would be in the best interest of the league, or is are we just going to follow the protocols and keep going? I think we're going to follow the protocols and keep going. I mean, I do think it's in the best interest of the league if we shut down for a little bit, but I think the same thing is going to happen again because – I think we have players not really taking it seriously. Like George Hill came out yesterday and said, I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to hang with my family. I think we have guys who just are bringing chicks in. I just I just think we have so many. It's, it's, it's a microcosm of America, pretty much. We have some people taking it seriously and some people doing whatever they want. Yeah, I think one of the big things from this is, well, there's a lot of things to this. One is most of the COVID players that are out don't have COVID. They haven't tested positive like Jason Tatum has 
but many of the players have not. It's just contact tracing. They've tracked down various information that, that shows this. One of the things is that they're wearing now armbands that when they're, they have to wear them when they're on any team related activity. So when they get, get off the bus to the arena, when you get on the bus, you got to wear the, the armband. When you get off the bus, you got to wear the armband. You got to wear it the whole time in the arena until it's game time. You have to put it back on once you're back in the locker room. Uh, and that's how they, they find out if you've been around somebody for a prolonged period of time. And if that person tests positive, they're able to go back and check it. Uh, the league um, has made it very abundantly clear that this is not a GPS tracker. They cannot track your location, which was a player's concern. You know, we had George Hill. The, the NBA passed new protocol restrictions yesterday. One of the restrictions that slipped through the cracks was when you're on the road, you could have two guests in your room who had not been tested. Guests. Yeah, guests. Uh, look, and look, some of this is guests. It's like a business partner or somebody that you know from high school or whatever. But like they could have two guests in there along with other associates and friends, uh, special friends, let's say but two guests in the room and they've, they've cut down on that. They've cut down a lot of the stuff. George Hill was pissed about it last night saying, if it's that serious, maybe we shouldn't play to which we're all kind of like, you don't have to, they'll opt you out, but you have to give up the money. Like I'm all in favor of the, of the players protecting themselves. And, and if they feel like these restrictions are against uh, what they want to do, because everyone's risk managing Brandon, like everyone is having to risk manage during this 10 month, so mad process that we've had to go through. But if that's the choice that George Hill wants to make, you don't get the money. Like this is the whole thing. You don't get the money, Brandon. I forget who the quote was, but I saw a quote from someone yesterday saying, you know, it sucks. I can't go to the movies. I can't go out to eat with my family. Yeah. And neither can the rest of us. We know this is what's happening right now. Like it does suck. No one is disagreeing with that. But this is what we're doing. We're all cutting. We're all making sacrifices. But it sounds like a lot of the players did have COVID, I think, more than has been reported over the last number of months and are maybe not taking as many precautions now because they've had it and feel like, oh, I'm good to go now. And then some of those players perhaps are still being able to be contagious. And even if they're not showing their own symptoms, spreading it to others, then you get like half the team is going to protocol and all that mess. And I don't know. I, I feel optimistic after the meeting and some of the new rules from yesterday. I feel like that's going to cut down on some of the things. Um, it, it's a catch-22 because so so many places around the country, it's like, okay, let's shut everything down. Let's try really hard. And then three weeks later, it's like, hey, yeah, that worked really well. All right, let's open up again. Like, no, why? No, no, We just shut down. There's a reason everything is good now. We got to keep doing that stuff. And But, yeah, I, I do agree. I don't think it's going to go anywhere. As a wise man once said on Dumb and Dumber, can't stop going once they've started. Stinks. <laughs> nice reference. Um, Zach Lowe and, and Brian Winhorse reported this this week, and I'd heard the same thing from several people. Players are getting it again. If you're listening to this and you've had COVID and gotten over it and you're like, no big deal, I'm Superman. No, you're not. You could absolutely get it again. And even if you did get it again, like some people didn't have symptoms the first time and have them now. And some people had symptoms the first time and then don't have them the second time. And then they transmit. We just got to, we do not understand how this thing works still. Like there just hasn't been enough research. This is one of the things that I got into in the column. There's the question, everyone on Twitter, very specifically, the very online Twitter people are very into the idea of like, how are you doing all these restrictions when they're sitting there sweating next to each other for 90 minutes every night? Like, what, what are we doing here? Like two and a half hours. What, they're, they're playing basketball. That's the risk. Well, one, you don't spontaneously get COVID from playing basketball. You have to bring it into the building. And that comes from your extracurricular activities. Two, I, I went into, and I, like, I got the league's case on whether or not playing is a spread threat. And that's detailed in the article. Tim Cato and Jared Weiss over The Athletic did a really good article on the counter argument to that, which is like why it's maybe a risk. But all of these things, it's risk management. And that's what the league's trying to do right now. I do, I will maintain hope that this will get through. Let's shift a little bit to betting. So, you know, the Sixers hung in the first half versus the Nuggets with seven players. Last night, Justin Fan, one of the sharpest bettors in the entire world for NBA. You can follow him on our app. Best place to track your picks. He had Sixers because the Heat had like three dudes left over with, with, after COVID. Sure enough, the Heat wound up taking the Sixers to overtime and lose by only three. Uh, Rahima, I will maintain this. Every time that you play an angle based off of a player absence or player absences, it has to be contextual 
with where the other team is, who the other team is, the spot that they're in, the matchup still, and you have to factor in that there is an increased motivational factor for players that get less time to suddenly have an opportunity to actually get to play. I, I just feel like taking, oh, they've got a bunch of dudes out, I'm going the other way. I feel like it's too it exposes you to a risk when you have situations like last night when a team outperforms expectations because they're a very disciplined squad. I agree, I agree with that. I definitely, I think I've been burnt by that, you know, so many times in any sport, you know, whether it's the NBA, NFL, I think you have to really handicap, you have to handicap a whole new game as opposed to saying, you know, this guy's out, I'm just going to blindly take it because you will sit down and get burnt. Honestly, I think in those situations, I prefer to play the total more than anything because I think the public in the market generally overreacts to injury news and you're paying a premium at some point. I think one thing that's interesting with this season, with the, with the protocols, putting a lot of these players out for a week at a time is I think there's a way to still play that angle, but maybe skip it the first game. Like look at the Sixers over the weekend. Suddenly everyone was out. We thought the game was going to get canceled. There was a free roll opportunity and then suddenly you got like Tyrese Maxey and Isaiah Joe, and they're putting up huge minutes. They're the only guys out there, basically. And Philly actually hung around for a while, made a good game of it. I actually had a lot of fun watching that one, getting to see some of the kids play. And But then, the, you know, you got that jolt that Matt's talking about, that like, hey, this is my chance. Maxey put up 39, which will probably be a career high like permanently um, they had great games. Isaiah Joe's hitting threes from all over, but how long does that adrenaline jolt last? Is it still coming out two nights later and another night and another night? We got a whole week without a lot of these guys, not in Philly's case because Embiid and Simmons suddenly weren't hurt anymore the next game. Uh, but for, for some of these teams, we might have to fade that initial adrenaline push of like, Hey, this is my chance and then maybe the next game out, the team's a little better prepared now. And it's like, okay, we actually have to take this game seriously still, but it's Isaiah Joe. Well, we're going to have more games with COVID implications to bet on on Wednesday night as we kick off the Wednesday night NBA buffet. Mm. Dig in. Certainly does look delicious. It's the Wednesday NBA buffet. Chew and swallow, no savoring. All right, so here's how this works. We each have a hundred theoretical, quote unquote, theoretical dollars to play with. Last week's results, Brandon was not with us last week. Not great. I was very big on the Wizards, uh, on the Wizards Sixers under. That was one of the greatest over games in the history of the sport. So good job by me, completely whiffing on that one. Um, however, I did wind up redeeming myself to a certain degree. Uh, I hit Suns, uh, I hit a parlay on the Suns and Pacers. Uh, I've wound up with only 80, 81, 20, but only one of losing 19. Raheem was a little bit more conservative, went $33 on each of his bets and wound up with $63 because he dealt, he hit one of those bets on the Suns. Um, so hoping for a better week this week, Brandon, you have an opportunity to get out to a huge lead with your first week with us. The way it works, it's a meal. You got to have two sides and a total. And then from there, you take whatever prop bets or anything else you want on the sides. Uh, we'll each go around round Robin. Let's start with our first bet. Raheem, what's your first bet for the buffet? We're going to go with the Charlotte Hornets. I think in this spot, um, I think you spoke about it earlier about, you know, f- fading teams based on the, the COVID protocols. But I think in this spot, I just kind of have to do it. The Hornets just beat them. The, the Mavericks will be without Jalen Brunson, Dorian Finney-Smith, Maxi Cleaver, Dwight Powell, Josh Richardson. Richardson. That's, you know, three of their best defenders. And their third, fourth, sixth, seventh, and ninth best scores. And I think the, the loss of Maxi Kleber particularly hurts because he's shooting 47% from three-point range. They have Chris Stapps, um, Przingis coming back. But I just, for me, I'm one of those guys I like to fade. If a star if a, a star player or somebody with a big, you know, role is coming back from an injury, I kind of like to fade those teams as, you know, they're working themselves in. So I'm, I'm going to go with the Hornets. And I, with the four and a half, I think you, you, you're in a good spot. Okay, you're not getting the best of the number there. It was five and a half. So here's what's interesting on, on that one. I like the pick because I almost took this one. 85% of the money's on Dallas, but this line moved from five and a half to four and a half. So it's moving against Dallas. I think that's, mm-hmm. that's really interesting. I like the spot, but you are, you are definitely not getting line value 
Um, oh, and- yeah, with, without it. I mean, this is a, a replacement pick for me. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, I hear you. All right. For 33. I'm going to stab your ass with this fork. Do you hear me? I would love that. Brandon, what's your first one? All right. So my first pick comes with the trivia time for you guys. Can you tell me the last time the Milwaukee Bucks played any basketball game that ended up within single digits? It has to be this season. They haven't covered that much this season. It's got to be this season, right? It is this season. It was the opener. Remember the Jason Tatum shot in the final second? Wow. Uh, That was it. That's the last one. Ten straight games that have been double digits or more. The Bucks are seven and four, all four losses by double digits. All six wins, or all, all seven wins, uh, sorry, three losses by double digits, except for the Celtics one. All seven wins by double digits. They won by 39 in Christmas. Their next wins were 47 and 30. Their average win margin is almost 25 points right now. And uh, the Bucks have the number one offense. They're shooting lights out. The defense is getting better. Brooke Lopez is playing more recently, and I think that that's helping. Uh, they just played, they're playing the Pistons tonight, who they just played twice last week, one by 10 and 15. Detroit. Pistons are not good. The Bucks are very good. This is the regular season. We know this. The Bucks are the best team in the regular season in the East, at least. Pistons have six losses by eight or more points. The Bucks are at 10 and a half right now. Anytime I can get the Bucks as basically all I have to do is win by double digits against a bad team. I'm always, that's going to catch my every time. So I'm going $50, box Woo! 10 and a half to cover. Woo! Big, out the gates, Brandon, firing. <laughs> half the roll. All right, I like it. Um, my first pick, I also have the box. I'm more conservative, which is 30 on 10 and a half. Uh, this has been one of my favorite bets over the last three seasons. Mike Budenholzer with the Milwaukee Bucks against... Uh, a division team as a double digit favorite is 14 and five against the spread. It is just a great spot for these Mike Budenholzer teams. The reason I am not putting, Oh, I don't know half my bankroll on it uh, is because this season they have not been as convincing. They just have not been that dominant squad. I got burned a couple times this season by trusting the Bucks as a double digit, as a single digit favorite. That was the thing it used to be. It used to be like, man, if you're getting anything, if the number only has one in the one column, then if you're under 10, you got to hammer it. And they've let me down in a couple spots. I do think they're maybe starting to get it going. Part of the problem is the bench is weaker because they traded a bunch of guys to get Drew, and then they're trying to adjust Drew Holiday in. Drew's playing well, but the starters don't have quite the chemistry. And part of it's like the interchangeability, right? If Bledsoe didn't have it going, George Hill would play well. If George Hill didn't play well, Eric Bledsoe would play well. That dynamic is kind of gone now. They've had to clear out some spots, and the front court's a little bit weaker with the losses of Ilyasova and Lopez too. So like, there's all of these kind of dynamics that have gone into it. I am trusting them in this spot. Detroit has been frisky. Jeremy Grant's playing great betting on himself. has been, has worked out. Um, but I just do wind up thinking that this is, this has to be a spot where eventually Milwaukee is going to get back to doing what it does. 59% of the money, 97% of, or sorry, 59% of the bets, 97% of the money is on Milwaukee. Now I will say 97% of the money is on Milwaukee. This line moved from 11 and a half to 10 and a half. So Little nervous, little nervous there. Um, We're going to snake style it. So I'm going to go back and tell you my second bet. My second side, I'm putting just 10 bucks and I'm going on Pelicans plus seven and a half versus the Clippers. So the Clippers have been a a really inconsistent team this season. They've been just every time you you think that they're going to zig, they're going to zag. And and trying to get ahead of them is a pain. And I don't, that's why I'm going so low on this number. I have to get another side. I'm not crazy about any of the others. I just, I've watched a bunch of the Pelicans games and while their offense is a mess, Lonzo balls back to being Lonzo ball. I just wind up looking at this and going, you know, I'm willing to fade the money coming in, which is all on the Clippers. It pushed from seven to seven and a half and it keeps going up. 85% of the money's coming in on the Clippers at seven and a half. I'm willing to go ahead and let the Pelicans like slide in this one. The Clippers do have a, a high capacity for blowout games. But I like the matchup of Zion and Steven Adams going against that front court. Everyone loves Ivica Zubac because of like, he looks good for four plays. And then you look back at the numbers and you're like, eh, eh. I don't know ever whether Kawhi is going to play. There's always a chance he doesn't. And then you're in a prime spot. 
the Pelicans have weapons here to be able to compete. They're also a really good defensive team. Uh, and I like the ability to drag this game down. They're playing at a slow pace, drag this game down, keep it tight, stay within seven and a half. I'm not going heavy on it, but I'm going to that spot. Don't fill up on bread. Brandon, what's your second bet for the buffet? So I'm playing the same game, but I'm on the other side on this one. I covered this game on a game guide for our site. And the thing that stood out to me is that these teams, the Clippers and the Pelicans, rank first and second in the entire NBA in least two-pointer attempts allowed. So basically, they are taking away the twos and forcing you to beat them with threes. This turns into shooting contest. Then you look at the three-point percentage, which is not always reliable, but one of these teams is first in the league at three-point percentage. That's the Clippers at 42%. The Pelicans are dead last at 32%. If this turns into a shooting contest, I got Paul George, Kawhi, Lou. I got shooters, Kennard. Uh, and then on the other side, I've got Eric Bledsoe, Lonzo Ball, Zion, Adams. If this is turning into a three-point contest, uh, that helps the spread a little bit. This was at six when I wrote it yesterday. I liked it a little better there at seven and a half. It's definitely losing some of that value. So I'm $15 on the Clippers to cover the seven and a half. Um, I think the Pelicans will dominate the glass. There are reasons. I, I agree with a lot of what Matt said. This is not a team I feel super confident in of the Clippers. That's why I'm a little lower on this. But I think in the end, this going to be a shooting contest. And you take the best shooting team, not the worst one. You know what's so interesting? I'm on the same exact game. Oh, wow. <laughs> I like the over. This, okay. this total got, got this, this, covered here. This total <laughs> got steamed down from 220 to 218. And for me, even though these teams are bottom five in pace, like Brandon said, I think we're going to see um, a shooting contest. The Pelicans are allowing 48% of opponent field goal attempts to come from behind the arc. When you look at the Clippers, they're making the highest, highest percentage of three-point field goals this season, 42.5%. So, I mean, for what I see, we're going to see – a lot of open threes for Kawhi, PG, Batum, Lou Williams, Luke Kennard. And if this turns into a shooting contest, this is going over. The Clippers, they're giving up 110 points a game and a whopping 113 points per 100 possessions, which is 25th in the league. They're giving up the, the fourth worst effective field goal percentage this season. The Pelicans are going to be able to get theirs at the rim. I see no reason why this doesn't go over. I, I think it got steamed down, but I just don't agree with it. My total has this a little bit higher, so I'm rolling with the over. I like that play a lot. Uh, Brandon, what's your third pick? Uh, so I'm still home in North Dakota. This is hockey season up here. And uh, while we're talking COVID, I just want to point out, and I, I can't believe this is an actual sentence, the NBA could have learned a lot from the NHL on COVID. How is it true that the NBA could learn from the NHL? How has that ever been true any time in my lifetime? So just to point out, the NHL season starts tonight. They delayed it two months, which was a good idea, not rushing. And the entire season is doubleheaders or even tripleheaders, like the NBA has done a little bit of, but they're doing that to keep teams in one place at once. They scrapped the entire conference. They scrapped the divisions. They have entirely new divisions just for this season. And you only play your division. The entire season, you only play your division. Then in the playoffs, you only play your division until you get down to one. And then the last four teams of the conference semis and the Stanley Cup. It's different. But guess what? It's COVID. This is different. We could have done that. And I don't know. That's that's just I, I was shocked to see that they're down to 56 games instead of 82. The 72 thing we're trying to do is too much. It didn't work. I'm talking Minnesota because I'm going with the Minnesota Timberwolves here. Also, Carl uh, Anthony Towns hopefully is back. If he's not in it, I don't want to play this one as much, but it looks like he should play. Uh, I'm taking the over against the Grizzlies over 221.5 right now. The Grizzlies offense sucks, but so does the Timberwolves defense. Someone's going to score. That's my Timberwolves. We don't defend. We haven't defended since like the Kevin Garnett era, which was the only era. And uh, the, the Wolves are going to score with Towns, Beasley, D'Lo out there. It's a Wolves over. You always feel good about a Wolves over. At 221, you're basically getting the discount that the Grizzlies offense has been so bad lately. Uh, but I like I like them enough to score a bunch and get to that 221 and a half. That's $10 on the over for me. All right. I like that one. Okay. So I, I'm going to stick there for my third one. Uh, this is actually one of my my little pieces, non-side, nine total. I've been playing a lot of these quarter plays this season. I, I like the spot to be able to bet 
against lineups and bet against, I want to contain the chaos. The NBA, like if you have a game capped right and you have just absolutely like you picked it perfect, but then one dude gets hot in the third quarter that you didn't expect and winds up hitting four threes and like that it blows your total blows your over, whatever, like I, it drives me insane. So I'm, I'm trying to be narrow. I am going with wolves, grizzlies under second quarter, 53 and a half. Okay. You can get this at several books. I'm not out there on a line. Yes. The limits are lower, but I'm only putting $15 on it. And the reason I'm going with the under on that, I agree with your, with, with your cap on the total, but a lot of that is the grizzlies in the second quarter, they can't score and nobody else does either. They're the only team with a sub 100 defensive rating in the second quarter, no matter who's been out, jaw goes out, Jaron Jackson, their bench unit defends like crazy. They just really dig in. That's coaching. We're seeing, I, I'm noticing a lot as betting these, the coaching advantages have the benches playing better defense because the coaches are actually like, I care how you play. It's not just, I need you to get me minutes to get back to the starters. So yeah, like the wolves can absolutely light up, but the wolf second unit actually isn't that good in the second quarter. If you look at it, the under and second quarters for the Grizzlies are seven and three. The under and second quarters for the Wolves are six and four. So I got two teams where more often than not, they hit the, they hit the unders. Now the number's low, but at this number, all I'm really saying here is neither team scores 30 in the second quarter. That's all I need. I just need neither team to score 30 in the second quarter and I'm fine. And I, I feel like I'm good there. So I'm going to go ahead and take that under play. Um, I am also going to take for my total I'm putting uh, $30 Blazers Kings over yeah. 36. The Kings have allowed 120 points or more in like five of their last six games. The Blazers can't stop anybody. This defense is horrendous and it's horrendous all the way through. The starters can't defend the reserves can't defend. Like there's no lineup shift to where you're going to have like a down quarter. The Kings, they can score against anybody. They just can't get stops. So even at 236, I feel like this number is going to be up there in the 240s. I just feel like both teams are going to wind up putting 120 plus. Um, I thought about taking the Kings after the, the Blazers blasted them last game. Um, but I wound up just being like, let's just, let's be conservative. Neither of these teams can defend. Both these teams play relatively fast. Let's go with the over. So I'm taking over 236. Raheem, do you have a third bet? Yeah, I'm, I'm forcing this one. I'm going with the Blazers first quarter. They came out really rough against the Raptors, who've kind of had their number a little bit over the last couple of years. I think the, I'm just going to go with the better offense. I think, you know, Dame and, and CJ, they come out hot. I think the Kings played a little bit over their head against, you know, the Pacers. So I'm going to go with the Blazers first quarter minus one. I don't like it. I don't really love it, but that's what I'm going with. <laughs> All right. So Brent, so Raheem's got uh, 33 in the Hornets. 33 on the over Clippers Pelicans, 33 on Blazers first quarter. Uh, Brandon's got 50 on the Bucks because he's bold. Clippers minus seven and a half for 15, <laughs> 10 bucks on the Wolves over. Brandon, what else do you have on your slate? Yeah, so let me give you two quick props. Our props have been killing it lately. You got to get on and get the get the subscription to Labs. And one of the props today, I'm going ten dollars on Brooke Lopez over half an assist. All he's got to do is just get one. So this is where our tool is really useful. Right now, that's at minus 215 at FanDuel. That's at minus 118 at BetMGM. That is like half the juice. And our tool is pointing out, giving you the best line out there. Lopez had no assist his first five games. He's had at least one assist in four or six since. His minutes have gone up from 22 per game to 31 per game. I mentioned that earlier as the defense improving. Uh, fans projection has him at 2.4 assists tonight, which is definitely more than a half and gives that a 37% edge. The next highest edge on our entire slate tonight is 20. So I got $10 on that. I got $15 on Brandon Ingram over five and a half rebounds. Uh, Ingram's rebounding is a career high right now. He definitely got stronger in the off season. He's at 7.1 per game. He's gotten over five and a half rebounds in seven out of nine games. The Pelicans are a great rebounding team. The Clippers are not a great rebounding team. So I got 15 bucks on Ingram over. That's at minus 118 at BetMGM as well right now. And for my last one, I'm going back to the well. Uh, and I am going to put together a parlay. Uh, just a sprinkle. <laughs> just a sprinkle. $15. 
Knicks money line plus 195 versus the Nets on the back to back and Hornets plus 155. I'm with Raheem on betting against the Mavericks shorthanded. I think that that line is not indicative of what's going. We see the line movement going the other way. I also looked up the Nets versus top 10 defensive teams have been wretched, just wretched. Uh, No Kyrie Irving, of course, no Spencer Dinwiddie. The Knicks are competitive. Yeah, they're going to get blasted some games, but they're going to hang in in a lot of these. I like their chances. I don't like the chances of Kate. This is a letdown spot after a big win and a comeback effort versus the Nuggets last night. I like the spot. So I'm going with the parlay. That's going to wrap up the Wednesday night NBA buffet. All right. Time for crazy pills. And now, am I taking crazy pills with Matt Moore? Doesn't anyone notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. All right, guys. So the NBA protocols, I, I understand that a lot went into this. There's a lot of moving factors. I've talked to people in the league this week to get a sense of where they're at with all this COVID stuff. Some of this stuff is just insane. And I have two particular things that I'm just like, am I, am I insane? Why did you do this? The first one goes back to Saturday with the Sixers debacle versus the Nuggets. I went back and I watched the Nets game versus, versus the Sixers. And it was the last game NBA played before. He did look stiff. I believe his back was sore. It's Joel Embiid. He misses the game every, like every three days with some sort of injury. That's part of it. Simmons is pretty legit. Like when he's hurt, he's hurt. I, I get it. But those guys, by all, all accounts, were like good to play. And then they weren't. And the reason was the league cleared them two hours before the game. Like the Sixers were like, we're not playing this game. We don't have anybody. We don't have anybody. And all of a sudden the league's like, uh, they're cleared. You got to play. You have enough. And like Doc Rivers openly said, we don't want to play this game. We feel like we should not be playing this game. The NBA has got to move the clearance time for protocol back 12 hours. If you move it back 12 hours and you say by 1 a.m. before your 1 p.m. tip off, if Joel Embiid's not cleared, he's not available for that game. That's a pretty simple fix. And then the Sixers have 12 hours to make the decision on whether or not they're going to play him versus like two hours and then we find out like 30 minutes before those guys are a scratch. Um, and certain people who may have bet on the Sixers in that game that are on this podcast might be bothered by what they decided to do on the money line. But that's like, I'm not trying to make this about the betting. It's not like, oh, I'm not complaining mm-hmm. about players related to the fantasy teams or, or betting or whatever. This mm-hmm. is just like a simple fix, guys move back the thing 12 hours so that there's more of a time for us to get the sense. I know why they did it. Cause their thought was like, well, you want every opportunity to win. If you can get them cleared for a big, important game, you want them there. Hi, I have a newsflash for you. No coach thinks any regular season game matters. None of them. Nobody thinks any of these <laughs> games actually matter. Cause it's always the season's too long, which we'll get to in a second. But am I taking crazy bills here, Brandon? I mean, here's the thing. It comes back to the same thing every time, the almighty dollar. We got to get the games on TV. We got to get the revenue. We got to get the ads coming in. The Sixers game was on NBA TV. There's a game a couple nights ago, another one on NBA TV. They keep getting down to these last second decisions because they're like, we got to fill the TV schedule. We got to get the money. We got to have stuff to air. And I mean, it's, it's the same it's the heartbeat of this entire problem. It's why we started too soon because we had to have the money. It's why we have 72 games, not 56 or whatever else. We have to have the money. It's, it's always about the money. And we are trying to push to get every game we can get every eyeball we can. It's, it's crazy. We have to consider player health. We have to consider the better is at home, maybe not quite on the same level, but it's ridiculous that we're waiting so long on these decisions. And it's, I feel like we're trying to push the limits to do the most we possibly can in this COVID pandemic thing. And you look at the other sports that have been successful, including the NBA in the bubble when it was, it didn't push the limits. It said, okay, let's, push it the other way. How much can we pull in and be safe and change everything around to make it fit, not try to push down to the last second, push every player out, push every game out. It's too much. Yeah. And like, um, 
I, I'm with you on the money on all of this. It's, it's also one of the things that I was bothered by is if you're the Nuggets, you didn't know who you were playing or if you were playing until two hours before the game. That's just, I'm sorry, players are creatures of habit and they need things in a stable environment. They need it to be like, you're going to go here, you're going to do this, you're going to go take a nap, you're going to get up, you're going to go to the arena, you're going to play. Like, you have to maintain that when you throw uncertainty into these situations, it causes more stress, which we want the best games possible. Like, this is one of the things is I've been preaching about this. The NBA needs to focus more on getting good games than getting the most games, and they just won't do it. And that gets into my other thing, Raheem, that I'm absolutely just furious about why are we doing non-con games why why are these guys we have a game tonight non-con like we, we had a game postponed because the suns played the why why are we doing non-conference games these games i will tell you this i have covered the nba playoffs and the playoff picture for 12 years now it does not those games are the least important they don't wind up affecting tiebreakers they don't end up wanting uh, affecting divisions you play the other teams more so that's where the differential comes in they're random and half the time guys are out anyway if we're going to go ahead and say that the regular season doesn't matter let's at least make the regular season games that don't matter matter the most that they can why are we playing these non-con games why did the NBA not pod these teams to contain spread because this is one of the things that you got now is like if one, if, if the Wizards thing isn't coincidental, this is one of the things. It's like they're playing teams, and then those teams are playing teams. If you had just potted them for just the first two months of the season, you have a break. You have a break in the middle of the season. You can backload with all these different matchups, front load with like six to seven teams, keep them potted so that you can contain the amount of travel and spread for these teams. Raheem, I, I understand that the the Orlando Magic would like the TV revenue from the ratings from LeBron coming. It's not, we're in a pandemic. No. Am I nuts? Yeah. You're not nuts. I'm going to tell you what's driving me crazy because the other night, Colin Sexton was announced in literally two minutes before the game. And then one minute later, they say he's not playing. And it's just like, at some point, we got to have some type of injury timeline. A half hour, 20 minutes, an hour. There's no reason why Colin Sexton should be announced in the lineup 10 minutes before the game. And then one minute before the game, he's just not playing. Like they got to do something. How dare you? Especially, (laughs) I mean, if we're going to have legalized gambling and legalized daily fantasy where there's a market, it's only right for the public to know. The pod thing just makes too much sense. Like, again, back to the NHL thing, because that's essentially what they're doing. The pods, they've got like a Canada division. So they have seven Canadian hockey teams basically playing around Robin all year. So let me paint a different picture. Here's what the season could have been for us. We could have had Lakers, Clippers, Warriors, Suns. They could have been battling like seven, eight times during the season and then playing again in the playoffs after they already hate each other. We could have Nets, Celtics, Sixers, Raptors battling all season long, staying local, cutting travel, cutting budget, because that matters, remember, and staying safer. Even if you get some sort of outbreak, you only outbreak one pod. You delay a little bit. You shuffle it up and try again. It's what we should have been doing. It would have been great. It would have been a welcome change. It would have been different, but that's okay. It's different. We're in a different season it's what we should have done. We missed the boat. You, you even could have realigned some of the divisions. Like if you look at, you know, the Pelicans, they could have been playing the Magic or, yeah. you know, I think that's what they did in baseball, like to the point where yeah. the Orioles would play the Phillies all the time and the Orioles would play the Yankees and, you know, the, the Phillies would play the Red Sox. So you basically just, you know, group the pods into different areas and I just – I don't know. There's this concern about like, oh, be unbalanced because you'd have to play tougher teams. Again, I'm just like, it's a pandemic, guys. Like – Deal with it. Like, I'm sorry. You might have to play the Lakers five times. I'm sorry. This is how it goes. And like, it, it evens out at the end of the day because yeah, you're going right. to play a team in that conference who's not as good. Yeah, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. All right, let's go back to the future. Back to the future. All right, this is Back to the Future. We are going to break down one future that we wished that we got on before the season and possibly that we might get on now, even though the value has significantly shifted. Brandon, what's yours? 
All right, so my Back to the Future, I've been taking a look at the most improved player race, and I think there's still value to play here. Um, right now, you're probably thinking I'm going with a Christian Wood, maybe a Jeremy Grant or Julius Randle. Those are the three betting favorites right now. That is not the sort of player that wins most improved. Here's the last six most improved winners. Brandon Ingram, Pascal Siakam, Victor Oladipo, Giannis Antetokounmpo, CJ McCollum, Jimmy Butler, all-stars. These are not good players. These are not like fine players who suddenly looked good one year. Julius Randle, great numbers. Jeremy Grant, been really good. Christian Wood, nice numbers. That reminds me of Devontae Graham last season earlier in the year or someone like that where it's like, okay, oh, hey, you're good now. That's fun. You're improved. Jalen Brown, that's the most improved player. You see it on the court. His playmaking is huge. His assist rate is almost double from last year. His, his three-point percentage is great. He's at 26 points a game right now. If, if you had to think about who's the Boston Celtics' best player right now, the point is you have to think about it. You have to actually decide. It probably is still Tatum, but that's not an indictment of Jason Tatum. That is how good Jalen Brown has been this year. And if you follow me in the past, I have not spoken glowingly of Jalen Brown before. I thought he was the Celtics' fourth or fifth best player last year. He is not. He is right there with Tatum. He's helping carry that team. It was 3,300 to start the season. But the good news is it's still at 1,800 at DraftKings right now. There's still value there. And most improved is not about a guy who's finally kind of good now. It's about by the end of the season, we want that player to carry the mantle for us. We want an all-star Right now, Jalen Brown is not just an all-star. If you were to make an all-star team, he's got a case to be an all-star starter. He's really good. If he keeps playing like this, he's going to maybe be in the all-NBA discussion. That's the sort of guy we pick for this award. Uh, down the list, just to shout a couple other names, Sabonis and Jamal Murray are two other names that I think could be in the mix. Murray, not yet, but he opened as the favorite. This is like a reverse back to the future. He's down to plus 8,000 right now. So that could be a chance to buy low at the guy that was the favorite. Who cares about these first 10 games if he turns around and, and comes back to what we saw earlier? But Jalen Brown's my pick. I, I like him to win the award. That's phenomenal. All right, Raheem, yours? That's a really good pick, Brandon. I'm going with LeBron James to win MVP. Um, I, kn- I know it might sound crazy, but it's it's not a normal year. Um when you, I mean, when you look at everything, the Lakers are just they're sleepwalking to the number one seed. If you got the number one seed, more often than not, you're going to get the MVP. You know, the, the like if you look at all the MVP awards since 1985, the MVP award winner hasn't won it with less than a two seed. You know, it's only happened twice. Michael Jordan in 1987, Russell Westbrook. Wilson. Yeah, Westbrook. I mean, that's pretty much it, you know. I look at LeBron James. This is his opportunity to get one last one last MVP. We all know he wanted it last year. They didn't give it to him. Now, you know, with all these guys getting sick from COVID or sitting out or, you know, their teams being impacted, I think this is one la- last opportunity for the, the voters to give it to him. Like right now, there's still some value on it at, at plus 1,100. But, I, I mean, I think everybody counted them out. I think a lot of these teams aren't, you know, just they're just not doing as well. Giannis isn't going to get it again. Lucas' team isn't good enough. I think Embiid, you know, he's always going to go down with the injury. All it takes is for LeBron to have a good two-week span. We saw him close out a game the other day against the Bulls. Anthony Davis has been in and out of the lineup. I think that's the future that I wish I had put in because I think all it's going to take is for a couple of good performances and he'll be at the top of the list. I don't mind it. I'm still not crazy about it. I didn't like it preseason. I just, I mean, a lot of it is Davis is getting a lot more credit than he deserves, but like, just like a lot of credit. And so like what winds up happening is there's going to be like a, a competing narrative push there. And that's going to diffuse things a little bit. And I'm, I'm concerned about that. I also am not sold on them coasting to the number one seed when they look good, like they did versus the Rockets, you're like, this is the best team in basketball. They're going to win the title. Feel great about my Lakers title future. Feel, feel great about it. But, but (laughs) pushing for that one seed, there's going to be some team that goes on a roll in the West, whether it's the Suns, the Clippers, somebody, somebody's going to get hot and push. 
mm-hmm. I just don't know if LeBron's going to play all the way through. I did ask how many games do these guys need to play mm-hmm. to be MVP. Mm-hmm. I asked a couple of voters that, and they were like, 55. That's like the answer. It's a 55 game. Mm-hmm. I just feel like he's already been banged up a little bit. Like he's had like a, bu- there's been a bunch of he's probable and then he plays, which again is a testament to his professionalism. Like he takes the stuff very seriously, which I really respect about LeBron. Like LeBron's not like, Ooh, my, I don't know. I don't feel so good. I'm out. Like he's like, no, like unless I cannot play, I'm going to play. And I appreciate that about him. LeBron James, oldest starting player in the NBA. But uh, I can't go with you on that one. I will say, in light of recent events, wish I'd taken the Rockets under more. That's a thing that I wish. I stayed away from it, not knowing what was going to happen. What? What? Hang on. I'm getting receiving word. Everyone in the NBA has been traded. That's okay. That's going to have to change some of our numbers. After we record this podcast in the afternoon, James Harden, was traded by the Houston Rockets. Here are the details as we know them right now. And I have to pull up a file because that's how long it is. The Nets get James Harden. The Cavs get Jarrett Allen and Torian Prince. The Pacers get Karis LeVert. The Rockets get Victor Oladipo, Dante Exum, Rodion's Karutz, four first round picks, and for draft swaps, because obviously nothing's ever gone wrong when the Nets over leverage themselves in the draft. <laughs> um, all right, guys, there's, there's a million angles to take on this. Let's start with Brooklyn, okay? Uh, Brooklyn moved significantly in the market after this trade. They are now uh, minus 155 to win the Atlantic Division. When we go to... Um, their championship odds, they've moved to plus 270, right behind the Lakers at plus 260. The Nets are the odds on favorite to win the Eastern Conference at plus 120. The Bucks now move to plus 350. Uh, Brandon, let's start with you. For the Nets, what's your reaction? I love it for the Nets. I feel like you got to do it. It's James Harden. I know that the reaction here is, how are they going to defend? How are they going to get rebounds? They just traded Jared Allen. Jared Allen is nice. Allen's nice. He's a nice center. You don't not trade Jared Allen if James Harden is the prize. You you basically upgrade Levert to James Harden here. Duh. No brainer. The cost is Jared Allen. In the playoffs, I want Kevin Durant at center anyways. I also like Jeff Green on this team. I can't believe I like Jeff Green as a sentence I just said, but he was good as a small ball five last year with James Harden. And I think that he could fill in some of those minutes. Look, the Nets were not good at defense. They weren't good at rebounding. Jared Allen wasn't fixing that anyway. So that can't be the reason not to do this. I don't buy the thing about, well, there's only one basketball. How are they going to play? You know who's not on our Olympics team? Karis LeVert and Jared Allen. We put our best players out there, and they do just fine. So if you get if you get Harden, what is Harden is 31, Kyrie's 28, Durant is 32, this is the window. I don't know that I'm all in on the Nets, but if you like the Nets before, you should like them more now because this is they, they have the same flaws, but they're better at the good stuff. And it'd be a really hard team to defend. Durant at the five, put Harris and Shamit or other shooters out there. It's gonna be tough. I, I like it. Okay, I think you're insane. Um, and here's why. I like, do too. <laughs> for, for starters, like look at the Eastern Conference. They're going to have to go through Joel Embiid. They're going to have to go through Demas Sabonis and Miles Turner. Like you can't be playing KD versus Joel Embiid. That's not an option. A lot of the time also, KD's not going to want to play five. He's not going to want to play five. And if he doesn't want to play five, then guess what? You got a lot of DeAndre Jordan minutes. Like this is part of this is that they cleared out Jarrett Allen to get their buddy DeAndre Jordan more minutes. That's bad for Brooklyn. When I looked at the remaining roster, like they still do have like a lot of guys. Like Brown's playing so well. Like he played really well in that Nuggets game. You can talk yourself into this. Joe Harris, they're undersized. They're trying to just score. I just feel like a lot of their their stability gets messed up here. Um, It depends on how much the bench units are going to roll out. Uh, Overall, like it, it is it. Like there's a lot of, of star power and they can score. But when we compare this to like the last big three, like the triad in Miami with Bosch and Wade and LeBron, 
all three of those guys could could defend. All three of those guys could pass. All three of those guys could score. You do not have that here. That is not what you have. Raheem, what's your take? It's extremely redundant. And I think they're lacking bodies on a team where one of their star players is erratic and capable of anything. Like, he was on a Zoom call last night while the rest of his team was playing basketball. This team has no wings. Their, their second best wing is Jeff Green. Like, I just don't understand, you know, what they were trying to accomplish with this trade. I think you get scoring, but who plays on ball? Who plays off ball? I think Harden is the best playmaker of the bunch, but is Kyrie going to be happy with playing off ball? Is Harden going to be play, happy with playing off ball? I just think you created more problems than, you know, than actually um, solved any problems here. I mean, solved any issues here. And I just – I don't really like it. I'm gonna be honest. Do we with think you. that there's value on anybody else in the Eastern Conference? Like, does this make does this make Milwaukee more valuable yes. moving to plus three fifty? That that's what caught my attention. I was already mm-hmm. looking at Milwaukee. I feel like they're playing well. Their offense is on the fire. The defense is getting better. I was already looking for an opportunity to bet the Bucks, and this is the opportunity I think because now the odds just flipped. Like basically, Brooklyn became the team to beat, and everyone's going to overlook Milwaukee. So this is the spot. If you've been waiting on the box, if you believe in the team, either to win the East or to win the finals, this is the spot because this is where their odds just dropped. And and I think there's value on them now more than the Nets. So for me, I think one of the big takeaways shifting away from the Nets, um, this is going to be a source of, I think, contention amongst our group because Brian Mears popped into our Slack and was like, I want to get Mavericks division odds. Um, after this move, Southwest division odds, Mavericks moved to minus 175. The Rockets have dropped to plus 1,600. John Wall, Victor Oladipo, Christian Wood, DeMarcus Cousins, P.J. Tucker, Eric Gordon, Daniel House, other guys, Dante Exum. Like, I... I think I'm going to bet the Rockets to win the division. I I think I'm going to like 1600 is really good value here. Like this team is, is not bad. Like they're just not, they got off to a rough start because half their guys were out. They, they lost twice to the Lakers because the Lakers are the best team in the league. Like, Raheem, am I crazy here? I think there's value on Houston. I don't think you're crazy. Like, I, I don't think you're crazy at all. Like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not mad at it at all. Um, I still think the I still think the Mavericks are you know the team to beat, but you know at 175 I can't I can't be mad at laying that price. No, um, on the Mavericks, but at the same time you know the 1600 is I, I'm not mad at it. I'm not taking it, but I'm not mad at it. Like I, I tell, <laughs> like Pelicans, nope, can't score. Lonzo Ball's regressed. Zion Williams Williamson's going to be out for a little bit with with COVID stuff. Mem- Grizzlies, no Jaron Jackson, still no Justice Winslow, no John Morant for a while. Spurs, Lamarcus Aldridge is a thing. Like, it's really just Mavericks and Rockets, and I'm getting sixteen to one. Uh, yeah, I got I'm gonna get in on that. Um, let's go Pacers. They lose Oladipo. A, a league source I was texting with told me that they've been hard shopping to get off of him for months. That he still wanted out. He was unhappy. The injury stuff was a problem. They were building around Brogdon and Sabonis. That's their team. Uh, and Lavert gives them a guy that wanted a bigger role, which he'll have, uh, replaces some of Oladipo, replaces a little bit of what they lost with TJ Warren. Uh, I think this is a really good move for the Pacers, even if I liked Oladipo's ceiling a lot more. Um, I don't think that this moves anything in terms of the odds because I can't get into the idea of the Pacers winning the division. I've thought about it, but I can't get, I can't tuck myself into it. Uh, Brandon, this is, you know, Midwest, your neck of the woods. Thoughts on the Pacers? Yeah, I mean, I love it for the Pacers for a lot of the reasons you said. I can't think of what the betting angle is either for the same reason. Like, right. the, there's there's a ceiling on the team. I don't, The Pacers are not going to win the East now. That They always were a team that could win a round and then be a tough second round out. That's basically what they are now. But if you look at the numbers this year between Oladipo and Levert, they're pretty close to identical. Their shooting numbers are similar. I think... Oladipo, we, we had this one great year and it's it's been a minute. Like it's been a while since we've seen that Oladipo. I don't know that that ceiling is there anymore. 
it definitely was on the Pacers. It maybe can get there on the Rockets or what other team they trade him to to get off even more money in a few months because it's definitely happening. But as for the Pacers, we got Levert is two years younger. Sorry, he's a couple years younger. He's two inches taller. He's signed two extra years. He's on a very palatable contract. This is what the Pacers do. They got T.J. Warren last year when when the Suns didn't want him on a nice contract. They're going to have just a bunch of good players. Warren will be back, too. They're going to have five good starters. That's a good, tough team. No one wants to play Indiana in the playoffs. They're going to beat them, probably. The really good teams are. But I thought before this, the Pacers had a shot at maybe a two or three seed if things broke right. I think that's still true, but you can't bet that. They're not going to win the division because the Bucks are in the division. So unless Giannis gets hurt, that's out. They already were good bet on the over. We gave you that one when we did our over-unders early in the year. I don't know what the angle is here. Maybe the angle is, is the first-round matchup, whoever they get. I like it for them a lot. I just don't know. It, it pushes the ceiling a little better, and it, it helps them long-term. I like where it, it pushes the team in the next couple of years. It's a good move. I'm not sure it moves the needle from a betting standpoint. It also saves them some money, which I'm sure – uh, yeah is grateful yeah. for um i, I figure good for me I, I just i didn't want to give all the depot to max like i think after his knee injury he he hasn't been the same player like I, I think and i think i don't understand why houston actually wanted to go after him because they're gonna have to max him this summer and to me i would rather have karis lavert if i'm the rockets <laughs> based on what i've seen from oladipo these last two seasons i think they want to take a shot on him you know, they, they, they want, they wanted a young asset. They wanted a star player, which is Oladipo. I guess the shot is Karutz or, or Exum. And then the picks are the biggest thing. They get back some of the draft stock that they gave up in the, in the Westbrook deal, which is like, that's an important thing to keep in mind as these conversations continue is that everyone will be like, look at how much draft picks they got. Okay. But they gave up a majillion in the Westbrook trade. Right. So like they're out of the hole, but right. It's still going to be, I think, a little bit touch and go. The other thing is... There's 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 fake picks in here, too, because one of these picks is a Milwaukee first. That's going to be bottom five pick. Yeah, Mm -hmm. We've got Brooklyn picks are going to be not good. These next two picks, one of the swaps is not going to happen because Brooklyn will still be good. So we know now 2024, 2026, that's valuable, probably. Hang on. Hang on. Just so you don't get old takes exposed let's not say the nets picks are not going to be good because that was the plan last time yeah sure that was the plan last time but that was with like 37 year old dudes okay 37 year old kevin garnett who plays every night kyrie irving kyrie irving doesn't talk to pawns fair and we have a guy coming off of achilles tear and we have an older harden who's like, you know, shouldered a, a major load for Houston. Like these guys could fall off any second. He's shouldered more than that load in Houston. So <laughs> um, here's the other thing. I put in a Kevin Durant MVP bet second night of the season. RIP. That one's over. We agree on that. Like that KD is probably going to be off because just the sheer numbers aren't going to be there. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this probably shifts value back to, LeBron, Giannis, I, I don't know what MB. to think of Luka right now. AD, MB. Jokic. Yep. So some of that value is going to have to get redistributed because I, I don't think KD uh, has, has as much value right now. I'm going to look up right now as we're on this thing uh, exactly what those, if those numbers are still out there. Uh, yeah, KD's still plus 700. So I always expect that number to move. Luka's still favored Another at plus 40. Jason Tatum as well. Less sexy is most improved. Christian Wood is the heavy betting favorite on that right now. And he's going to get a lot less easy points now, I think. So if he falls off, then that opens up some he'll improvement. Still, or some I, I think he'll still get I, I st- I, Christian Wood's always going to get numbers. I think Christian Wood's always going to be a guy that gets numbers. Like he'll just wind up finishing. He'll just wind up finishing and getting boards and stuff like that. Um, MB to plus is right now at plus 1000. Uh, that was who Zach Lowe said today was the, the MVP. So far this season. All right. Uh, So that's actually going to wrap it up. 
for the Action Network podcast mm-hmm. and this insert special edition after uh, the Rockets trade. Make sure to keep up with Action Network on Twitter and in our app. We'll have breaking analysis of this trade and whatever other moves come out of it. There's a lot of talk the Cavs may be doing something else uh, very soon. We'll have all that information up to the second betting lines, changes, everything you need to know on the markets. Make sure to keep it tuned to Action Network. We'll talk to you again next time on the Action Network podcast. We're finished talking. <laughs>